Okay, Chuck Heston, just settle down. <laughs> that music is from a 1985 Bollywood movie called uh, The Adventures of Tarzan, I think. And someone on one of the ERB lists posted a YouTube link to it. If uh, the link is still working, they took down some of the clips. But uh, I don't know why I had that reaction, and I don't know why I thought that those uh, clips from Planet of the Apes uh, were appropriate to it, but it was just a very bizarre video. Uh, but take a look if the link's still working. We have a guest today via Gridley Wave, Jim Thompson of Clarksville, Tennessee. I have been friends with Jim for, oh, nine or ten years now. I first met him at the 1998 Dum Dum in Baltimore, Maryland. And one thing I remember about him is that he was very welcoming and um, uh, friendly toward people who had never been to uh, Burroughs Convention before. Uh, 1998 was the first Dum Dum that I had ever gone to. And uh, Jim runs the Herbkoff L email list, and he's been doing that for close to 10 years. So I knew him before I actually met him through the email list. And in for a future show, we're going to uh, talk about the two uh, boroughs email lists, uh, Herbkoff L and uh, Tangor's uh, Herb List. Uh, but... Uh, for today's show, I uh, wanted to have Jim share with you his story of how he got interested in burrows and collecting, and I think you'll find it interesting. Jim, just tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, do you, do you mind if I ask, like, how old you are and how long you've been reading and collecting burrows and, and how you first got interested? No, I'll be happy to tell you that. It's a, a story I'm rather proud of, actually. Um, I'm 59. I was born in 1948. My father was born in 1913, and uh, he uh, he grew up. He didn't. He wasn't born in a in Birmingham, Alabama. He mm-hmm. he was born in a small town 
uh, in central Alabama. But when he was about eight or nine years old, his family moved to Birmingham. Okay. And he discovered uh, the Burroughs novels. I can't tell you whether or not he saw the silent Tarzan movies, though he would have been old enough to have seen them. Mm-hmm. He would have been five in 1918 when the first one came out. But, of course, many films replayed far beyond their sure. release year yeah. in those days. But I do know that he read uh, quite a lot of the Burroughs novels from the Birmingham Public Library. Okay. All right. Uh, to my knowledge, he never owned one in his boyhood, although since he died when I was only 15, there are many things I would have asked now that I, I'm not able to. But did he... But at any rate... He passed well, on. He passed on his his love of Burroughs to you in some way, or that's correct. Okay. Uh, uh, his uh, he and my mother, their date was to go to the movies, mm-hmm. and then when we were a family, uh, I'm the oldest of two, and my sister is just fourteen months younger. Our family outing was generally to go to the movies on Friday nights, and. Uh, we saw all kinds of different movies in those days. I was a, a fan of the giant monster movies of the 1950s. Oh, yeah. My father loved westerns, so we saw lots of great westerns. But I can remember distinctly that probably nothing excited him more than a, a new Tarzan movie. Mm. And by the time I was really old enough to fully appreciate Tarzan movies, moving beyond to maybe eight or nine or ten years old at around 1956-58 is when the last Gordon Scott movies were coming out. Okay. And those last two, Tarzan's Greatest Adventure and Tarzan the Magnificent, were the two that up to that point in time of the talking films were the most like the Burroughs novels. Mm -hmm. And I can remember nothing else which elicited so much enthusiasm on his part as the idea that we're going to go see a really good Tarzan movie. Come on up, big man. Let's see you. Um, we got the news this week that that uh, Mr. Scott passed away, and I just I just wanted maybe to get some of your thoughts on on uh, Gordon Scott and his contribution to the Tarzan legend, I guess. Well, I'll be happy uh, to reminisce. I'm very sorry, of course, to see that he has died, but very pleased that in the last few weeks, through the uh, efforts of some of the, uh, particularly the uh, Baltimore area fans Mm -hmm. and some of the Arkansas fans, uh, that uh, Gordon was contacted by the fan base and apparently was very much cheered by the fact that we still remembered him and wished him well. I know I sent him a a get-well card soon after his location was uh, uh, provided to the group. I don't know that he got that card. That was more than a month ago when I sent it, Mm -hmm. uh, because I know that he changed facilities a few times in there. But, uh, of course, Gordon Scott was the Tarzan who was making movies when I was first going to see the Tarzan movies. Now, the Johnny Weissmiller movies were also replaying 
sure. in the theaters, in the second-run theaters in those days. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, just as I was getting old enough to be reading the Burroughs Tarzan and appreciating the, uh, the different character of the book Tarzan, along came Gordon Scott's last two movies. Which really has come as close as I, I can think of to representing Burroughs' actual Tarzan character on screen. Right. So Gordon Scott has always been my favorite movie Tarzan mm-hmm. because of those those two scenes. Yeah. And I I agree with you. I, I just think it's uh, it's just so fantastic that uh, um, some fans had taken it upon themselves to make uh, him feel that he is remembered. It sounds like maybe it it was maybe something. Uh, a bonding sort of with your dad in some way, going to those movies in the fifties and that sort of thing. It's something you you shared in common that that sort of thing. Absolutely, uh, he he wasn't reading them with me mm-hmm. when I was reading them, but he told me that he'd enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. And so, for four or five years elapsed, and we come up on nineteen sixty two. And in 1962, Dover Publications released three Martian novels, which contained the second three Barson uh, uh, tales, not the first three, Thuvia, mm-hmm. Chessman, and Mastermind. So I was sitting in my room doing homework one afternoon. My father came into the room plopped a book down on the study desk where I was working, and he said, Son, you're going to love this. Mm-hmm. And it was that three Martian novels. Mm-hmm. And I did love them. I had not known a thing about any of the other realms of Burroughs' writing, although I think my father had known about them, but there was really no way for him to pass them on right. just from his recollections of boyhood when the books weren't available. Right. So I read those very quickly and loved them. And then within another month or two, uh, the Ace paperbacks started to come out. Ah, okay. So Just good timing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, the tragedy for me is that in February of 1963, my father died. Oh, yeah. And my mother died six months later. Oh, no. And so he never realized what an important part of my life Burroughs' works would become. And that, along with never having the opportunity to introduce Linda to my parents, are right. two of the biggest regrets of my life, that they, uh, they didn't get to see those two things. In the years after, I, immediately after I was orphaned, while I was still in high school, my father's two sisters, he was one of six, three brothers and two sisters, and the two sisters were the oldest, 
they spent a lot of time looking after my sister and myself. And one of these aunts lived in Birmingham and the other lived in Mississippi. So one summer, either the summer of 63 or 64, uh, immediately after either the death of my father or the death of both parents, I spent the summer in Mississippi with this aunt. And she was a librarian. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't bother her at all if I wanted to spend all afternoon reading a novel in the bedroom. Right. And the novels I was reading were basically the Ace and the Valentine paperbacks because I was haunting the drugstore book racks, and every week there was a new title. Yeah. And that that and, was like heaven, huh? <laughs> that was, uh... Oh, yes, it was. It truly was. Jim, do you still remember the excitement of uh, being a, a, a young, uh, a much younger than we are now, uh, and picking up those those new books uh, that are just fresh and uh, a, a new jungle or, or distant world uh, opening up? Uh, can you still feel that sometimes? Yes, I sure can. And I, certainly I can recall some of those feelings when they were new. Mm-hmm. I sure do. And uh, again, having been orphaned, the, those uh, those experiences were a great solace to me mm-hmm. because Burroughs was not just a diversion, but Burroughs was a moral compass as well. Mm-hmm. And so I could, I could see um, a sort of continuation of my father's influence in some of the philosophy that I got out of Burroughs. I I spent that summer in Meridian, Mississippi, and very happily just being a bookworm. She didn't force me to go out and join groups or play a sport or anything else. She just said, if you're happy reading the books, then that's fine. You can read the books. And so I, I got a lot of uh, books read that summer. Mm-hmm. And the uh, you couldn't really call it collecting then. It was just consuming these new books as they came out, illustrated, of course, with the wonderful Powers and uh, Frazetta and Crinkle covers. Mm-hmm. I wonder... I wonder if you I wonder if you feel the same way. Some of those paperbacks that and I remember being oh what maybe 13 years old and and riding my bike several several miles to to the bookstore to uh to pick up a new uh, Burroughs paperback and and some of those paperbacks that uh I consider part of my collection uh I value more than any first edition or or pulp magazine that I have <laughs> just for the nostalgia of them. Yes, well they they certainly that imagery calls back that time in my life in a way that none of the other collectibles do Mm -hmm. because that was such an exciting time and that was such a help to me in uh, adjusting to being an orphan, although, uh, you know, I was very well cared for by this fairly large group of relatives that looked after my sister and I both finding us places to stay and and looking after our finances and so forth. I believe it was 1967 
that the World Science Fiction Convention was held in New York City, and I was aware of the Dum Dum Luncheon being there. And, you know, in those days, the Burroughs Gathering was nothing but a luncheon meeting uh, under the uh, auspices of the World Science Fiction Convention. Right. But uh, I inquired of my aunts if they thought it would be all right for me to go to New York because my father's uh, next oldest brother and my favorite of my uncles, my Uncle Jim, for whom I was named, hmm. was living in a New Jersey suburb of Philadelphia. Okay. And so the aunts and uncles put their heads together and said, all right, we can uh, put Jim on a train to New Jersey and he can spend a week or two with his favorite uncle. And then he can ride the bus on his own from New Jersey to New York City and attend the Dum Dum Luncheon. Mm -hmm. So I was really almost over my head in terms of knowing what that would mean. That was such a big leap for a fellow who'd spent all his time in Birmingham, Alabama. Right. But we did do that, and so I did uh, ride the bus. Uh, with some trepidation, through New Jersey and into New York City and landed at, uh, is it Grand Central Station in, right. in New yeah. York, the bus terminal, mm -hmm. where I uh, flagged a cab and had a typical New York story of a grouchy cab driver who wasn't <laughs> happy with me when all I had was a, a 20 uh -huh. or a very small uh, cab fare in those days. Uh and I said, sir, I'll go in and, and bring you change, and I would have. And he said, no, just give me whatever change is in your pocket, and I'll get out of here. And he uh, <laughs> set out a few expletives. But at any rate, well, what I was went, it? What was it like? Well, okay, just continue on. What? Go ahead. You went. You went. Well, there. so I I went into the hotel and uh, asked around and found my way to this luncheon. I had my little ticket. And had a meal, sitting at a little back table, uh, not really knowing uh, anyone else, certainly not uh, recognizing anyone else except Vern Cariel, whose pictures I had seen. And I introduced myself to him at some point during the, uh, during the uh, talk after the luncheon. But the guests of honor uh, that day were Frank Frazetta, Hal Foster, and Robert Hodes, who was the new president of Burroughs Incorporated. And so Hodes gave a talk. and That's quite a lineup. Hal, yes. <laughs> quite a stellar uh, a lineup for just a luncheon mm -hmm. that those folks had come all that way for. But it did mean that I got a Hal Foster autograph and I got a Frank Frazetta autograph. Uh, at that time, and uh, Hodes was talking about all the new things that were happening or might happen in relation to the company's prospects. Don't forget that this is also the period of time where Canaveral Press mm -hmm. was beginning to release the uh, various never-before-published works that had been found in the Burroughs Incorporated safe. So that was quite an event, but as I say, I was very shy 
So other than introducing myself to Cariel and getting my autographs from the principals, I really didn't uh, have the the nerve to say anything to anybody else or to introduce myself to anyone else. And so I then got on the bus and, and went back to New Jersey, and that was my trip. Yeah. Many, many years later, I found out that my good friend D.J. Howell was similarly in the room right. and knew and too shy to say anything. Oh. So, you, <laughs> so two, you two could have started your friendship years earlier, I guess. That's yeah. right. We yeah. could have put another 20 years into our friendship if only we'd been less shy. That's it for show 33. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Jim Thompson for sharing those memories. And I'll talk to you in two weeks. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. Tonight you've been reminiscing with Jim Thompson of Clarksville, Tennessee who has been an active Burroughs fan for half a century and has very much enjoyed giving uh, Jeff and his listeners a little insight into how those 50 years have been spent. And I hope I'll have an opportunity to continue that at some future date. It's been a real pleasure being a guest on Dateline, Jason, and thanks for listening.